You're listening to The Authenticity Show, where you get to eavesdrop on great conversations about health, creativity, and the quest for excellence. Your hosts are Carlos Casados and Satch Purcell. And we are back, baby. We took a little bit of a hiatus there. Our last episode was June 13th, and here we are late September 2022. The longest break we've ever taken, actually, since we started this show in uh, December of 2016, if, if my memory serves me. But it was really great to get back in the saddle, record another great conversation. This episode is about forgiveness, which is super important, you know, and, and actually surprisingly complex. There's a lot to unpack. And Carlos and Satch, true to form, have a lot of wisdom to offer. So here we go. Carlos. All right. Good evening, Sash. Yeah, good evening. All right. Welcome to your home. Yeah, 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 yeah. Welcome to my home, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, this is so cool because this is the first episode that we've recorded in a couple of months, two, three months, right? It's been quite a while, yeah, since yeah. we've done an episode. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this is kind of a big deal. I think we, we planned on doing this discussion uh, for a while, but it's just been a long time since we discussed it, so yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to getting into it today. Me too. Um, you know, podcasters uh, have lives too, yeah. and so we, we took a little sabbatical, a little hiatus, and mm-hmm. uh, um, we're back at it. And uh, the topic tonight is forgiveness. This is the forgiveness episode. Mm-hmm. And you and I had discussed doing this topic, I think, on a, on a late night you know, hike, mm-hmm. And uh, uh, we've been planning to do this for a really long time, and we haven't really talked about it much. No. So no. Um, we'll just see what your thoughts are, and we'll, we'll see what my thoughts are, and uh, uh, see how the ingredients mix. Perfect. Perfect. Um, there was a, a quote, I don't even know who originally said it, but um, darkness isn't driven out by darkness. It's driven out by light. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And for me, the idea of forgiveness... Uh, is really misunderstood topic. Uh, I have misunderstood it in the past, and I've had many a discussion where I feel that the initial few minutes of the discussion is me um, possibly managing the fact that, that that there is a big misunderstanding before we even begin. It's almost like um, you mentioned the word forgiveness, and people have so many preconceptions about that. Um, that it takes a little while to really get into the nitty gritty, which is why I'm glad we're getting into this tonight because there are a lot of um, elements to this discussion, which I've had on a personal level. I've had it uh, in, in discussion with myself schizophrenically mm-hmm. and I've had lots of conversations with this um, about this concept with clients who have gone through something that would necessitate forgiveness. Yeah. 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 Um, I think the other thing with forgiveness is, um, kind of, you know, talking a little bit about um, the confusions and things that you were referring to mm-hmm. is there are a lot of cliches, a lot of sayings that come along with any topic that's like forgiveness. And I think that as time goes by, uh, those cliches, those phrases, once upon a time, they had wisdom coming out of the scenario that generated them. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody had an insight. And it was really meaningful at that time. There was a purpose for the insight that they had that led to the, the phrase, the saying, you know. And 
as time goes by, as, as those things get handed down to other generations, it's sort of um, kind of an empty shell of what the phrase once was. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's nice for us to have a discussion like this because we can sometimes either recapture the magic in some of those, those phrases, those sayings about a topic like forgiveness, or sometimes we might decide that we need to look at it differently. You know, maybe it's time to look at it differently. Maybe the pendulum needs to swing a different direction, you know, a little farther, you know. So um, this will be this will be uh, enlightening for both of us. When you're talking about phrases that uh, catchphrases, things like that, I think of turn the other cheek. That's the first thing that pops into my mind, Mm. you know, as you're as you're saying, turn the other cheek. You know, this is a a popular concept from, um, you know, Christianity. You know, it's from the the Mm. New Testament. Um, and Christians are generally raised, um, to believe that that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to forgive, mm-hmm. practice forgiveness, uh, brotherly love, etc. Yeah. And, you know, when someone wrongs you, offer them the other cheek. Um, yeah. that's something that can easily be, be misunderstood. Agreed. Easily yeah. misunderstood. Yeah. And, and. Um, if you don't, if we don't get into it to, to talk about it, I don't think people will spend the time really thinking about what it means for them. They'll yeah. just sort of repeat it or reject it without any kind of second look. And I think even the things that you're going to ultimately reject are sometimes worthy of sifting through to see what might be valuable in that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and I know as soon as you, you mentioned that one, um, we're not saying it's not good. You're not, you're not saying it's, it's not valuable. Mm. but it needs to be seen with fresh eyes, mm-hmm. you know? So let's take a look. Yeah, that sounds good. And, yeah. um, you know, why that would even be important, and I guess for me, from, from my, why I'm drawn to talk about it most is that I've gone through a journey in my own life of um, figuring out what it actually means to me to forgive. Mm. I've heard it so many times, and I've heard people's stories, and yeah. I've listened to their... Um, you know, varying degrees of um, personal revelation around it. But for me to be able to forgive someone, a lot has to happen first. It's not like uh, as simple as just saying, I forgive that person. That is a word, that's a, or it's a, it's a phrase that I'm saying, uh, which may or may not involve my emotion. It may not involve... Um, levels of belief and identity in that statement. I can say something and not realize that um, I'm saying it from a shallow place within me. Or I could realize that and dive deeper and ask myself, do I really forgive that person? The idea of forgiveness that I was taught was kind of framed like you're in this position where you're um, taking a high road and you are dispensing this forgiveness to someone who's wronged you. And mm-hmm. you're doing that because of who you are. You are a Christian. Mm-hmm. You are a good person. You are saved. You are um, one of the chosen few that, that, and these other people are ignorant. So therefore, when they err, it's because of their ignorance. So just forgive them kind of thing. Yeah. And that sounds, on the surface, it sounds like kind of um, positive. It sounds... Um, benign, heroic even. Mm. But if you ask yourself, do I feel the feeling of actual forgiveness inside of me? You have to actually know what forgiveness is in the first place. Yeah, yeah. Just saying I forgive you, it's kind of like giving someone a pass. 
It's like saying, whatever debt you owe me, you don't owe me. Right. There's, there's a version of it where like, if there's a fire and we need to put the fire out, we actually have to throw water on it to put it out. But if mm -hmm. we just say water, 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 the fire doesn't go out, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? And so I think sometimes I'm um, saying, um, tell him you forgive him. Something like that happens. Mm -hmm. And it's just like saying water when we're trying to put out a fire. There, there's, there's yeah. a lot more to it. There's, there's the, there is a feeling that we could call forgiveness in the, in, in, in the forgivor and the forgivee, mm -hmm. you know, um, there, there are feelings involved. There are commitments involved. Um, you know, there's biochemistry, I believe that needs to change in real forgiveness. You know, there are neural networks that have to be rewired and that's part of forgiveness is mm -hmm. it's, 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 there's a lot to it. Otherwise it's just a knee jerk response to I'm sorry. Yeah. And there's and really it, no difference between those on that level. Yeah, yeah. You said, I'm sorry. I said, I forgive you or it's okay. Yeah. Don't worry about it. It's no problem. Yeah. And I think a lot of those... That may not be genuine. It may not be authentic to yeah, say that. Yeah. And those phrases that we state openly like that in, in a situation, often, I would say usually started in childhood when somebody else is telling us something like, okay, now say you're sorry, mm -hmm. right? Now tell them it's okay. You know, when we have this conversation and it's we're... It's a script. We're, yeah. We're using a script to teach the kids how to, how to act out a scenario that will allow people in society to be able to get along a little better. <laughs> well, and you know, yeah. it may have limited, um, success in, in, in imparting a certain kind of a social agreement. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, if you really look at how people hang on to their anger, how people hold grudges, mm -hmm. I don't really notice that, 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 that having people, having children grow up with these scripts, I don't see that really changing them in a, in a big way Yeah, because they're not taught to relate with the words as they're saying it. They're just taught to, to mimic it. Yeah. And quite often the state of mind and state of emotion that the kid is in when they're, when they're told to say those things is not usually congruent with the feelings that mm we are, are thinking would be more ideal when you're saying something like that. You know, maybe one child is angry. Maybe one child is angry when he's told to say, I forgive you. Mm -hmm. Well, then now they're in a state of anger, right. right? Is anger really the state you're supposed to be in when forgiveness occurs? You yeah. Know? No, yeah. it's not. It's, it's in conflict with it. Mm -hmm. And these are all about conflicts. You know, you have a conflict with somebody, um, and we don't have any real issue with a quick uh, social nicety. If someone does something minor and you say, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, you're, don't worry about it. Mm -hmm. I forgive you. Yeah. If it's small. But what I'm really talking about here, and I think the, the main focus is when you really have a, um, a serious slight, something mm -hmm. that feels like it wounded you emotionally, there's trauma, that kind of thing. How do you forgive someone who goes to that level of, um, yeah. of damage, that level of insult, injury, assault? Yeah. You know, how do you forgive that? Yeah. There's a, I, I believe there's a structure. I feel like I've uncovered um, you know, most, if not all, of the structure of what is necessary and why it's necessary. Yeah, oh, that's, that's great. That's great. Um, uh, I, I can't wait to get into your structure because I love it when you come up with, with these <laughs> kinds of things to share. You know? yeah. um, it does help to have a methodology yeah, you know, for, for these kinds of things. Um, Otherwise and, you suffer. Yeah, you do. And speaking of suffering, um, I'll, I'll share 
kind of my view. This is a picture that I, I guess I use this when I, when I think of um, uh, people being in a state where forgiveness, forgiveness is a topic that is coming up. Mm. Um, and it kind of goes like this. Uh, let's not think of forgiveness for a moment. Let's think of the opposite of forgiveness. And we could come up with different words, but... Holding a grudge or something. Holding a grudge. Uh, a, a person has um, been wronged or at least perceived that they've been wronged somehow. Something has occurred that it has affected how that person feels. Let, let's say um, I have been wronged somehow and I have um, negative feelings about it. Uh, let's just keep it simple and just go with anger, okay? Let's, let's say a lot of anger swells up in me because of, of some wrong that I believe has happened to me. So in that state, um, I think it's really, really helpful to look at that situation as just being a build a buildup of energy, mm. right? So um, suppose we build a dam and that dam is holding back, you know, millions of tons of water. And there's a lot of potential energy in the water behind that dam. And when somebody wrongs us and we feel negative emotions about that, um, we are blocking our own energy with ourself. We are creating a dam. But what is the purpose of a dam? The purpose of a dam is to build up potential energy to be used. Mm -hmm. And so there has to be a... a a purpose or um, a usefulness to why humans have evolved this ability to carry a grudge, even a lifetime grudge, a lifelong grudge against something or somebody or some institution, whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. There's there's got to be some value to it, and and I yeah I agree. I suspect that the value is that that potential energy builds up so that we can use it to do something about it. Now, one option is we build up this tremendous energy so that we can um, discharge it uh, maybe in defense, you know, of ourselves. Maybe we discharge that energy in offense, <laughs> punching somebody in the head, you know, or taking a bat to their car, or finally having the courage to call a lawyer, or whatever it might be. Sometimes it takes energy to do those things because those things are difficult to do most mm -hmm. of the time. However we also can understand that when energy builds up, when we, when we damn our own energy to, to build up, to be used, it implies that we are supposed to discharge that energy and we can discharge it either consciously in a productive way, or we can allow it to build up to the point where it starts to crack the dam. Mm -hmm. It starts to create floods. Um, uh, it could harm ourselves. It could harm innocent people. Mm -hmm. You know, think about what happens if a dam breaks when it's not supposed to. The lives that can be lost, the the, the millions of dollars of damage that it can cause. Mm -hmm. You know, the floods. Um, so it's a good analogy. So so somebody wrongs us. We block our energy. It builds up. We have to see it for what it is. It is potential energy. Now we can get into how do we want to use that energy. Mm -hmm. You know, and um, any time energy is discharged like uh, when electricity builds up and is discharged, right? That, that's power. That's powerful. Um, but what's unique about it is the, the, the process of forgiving is one option of, of a way 
that we can discharge that built-up energy. And what fascinates me about it is oftentimes the image that we get when we think of forgiveness is that we are powerful, I'm going to be the bigger man, and I'm mm -hmm. going to bestow this special thing on mm -hmm. somebody else, I forgive thee, right? And mm -hmm. there's, there's this forgiveness that happens, right? Mm -hmm. But I feel pretty humbled when I remember that when energy discharges from one source to another, mm -hmm. that is an act of giving up power. It's not an act of, of being powerful. Mm -hmm. When lightning strikes, it's not the sky that's being powerful. It's giving up its power, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. when, the, when the dam breaks, the dam isn't being powerful. It's being vulnerable. You know, it's the giving up of the power. And so I find it useful to think of forgiveness as me. This power has built up, and it is an act of giving up power. Yeah. I'm not more powerful than the person I'm forgiving. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I'm losing my power, and I'm losing it on purpose because mm -hmm. that power was probably going to cause damage, you know? Yeah, and one of the purposes, I think, in holding on to things, I think, is an attempt to protect you in the future, to, to yeah. take into account what you've experienced and remind you that you don't want to have that ever happen again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's a very yeah. primitive way of handling it, but there, yeah. there are obviously... Um, uh, other ways you can handle it, more sophisticated ways you can handle it. But that is a one way to handle it is yeah, to just remember right. how much it sucked and feel like you're holding a grudge and hate that person and and uh, you know revisualize what they did to you every so often so you mm -hmm. can stay angry at them. And yeah, and you, you know, and you maybe maybe that energy causes you to train a little harder, practice a little more. Yeah, be prepared uh, next time. Yeah, you know, and, and yeah. we know after having experienced that and tried it other ways, we know that we've, we begin to know that, that that is a very primitive way of handling things. There are more sophisticated ways that would honor the original intent, but would lead to better downstream results. Yeah. You know, yeah. because obviously yeah. the downstream results of holding a grudge is that you're holding the grudge. Yeah. And if you're holding the grudge, it's affecting you, not that other person. Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, where the expression forgiveness is for me, not for them, mm -hmm. uh, kind of comes into play because, yeah. uh, yes, it, it is maybe some small advantage to that other person. If you forgive them, Yeah. in some cases it could be a big advantage for them if they really care about you. Yeah. Um, but in the case of someone not caring much about you, it doesn't do much. Uh, however, for you, it does stop you from holding the grudge. You're no longer holding that toxic energy inside you. It's not welling up. Yeah. And you have the opportunity to fill yourself up with something else. Yeah, it's hard to hold on to anything. I mean, imagine if I handed you a pencil and said, hey, Carlos, I need you to hold this pencil all day. Okay. In <laughs> fact, could you hold this pencil all week? A lot of it, work. It's a nuisance, right? Like, I don't want to hold this pencil. You know, a grudge is much harder to hold on to <laughs> than a pencil. Yeah, agreed. Takes, takes a lot of practice, too. Uh, I think that, that when people say they've forgiven, I get a lot of this, mm. I forgave them already. Mm -hmm. you know, they, they, they're talking about kind of going through a certain level of, a certain level of letting go, yeah. a certain level. It's not the whole self that's let go. It's like some element of the way they're thinking about it, the way they're framing it in their mind. They've loosened that a little bit. Yeah. And they've said... Uh, the magic words, I forgive you. Yeah. But it didn't actually have a magical effect. 
because what we're really talking about, you know, here on Authenticity Show is authenticity, right? Getting really to the true mm. essence of what we're what we're aiming for in mm. health, creativity, and excellence, right? Yeah. In in everything. So, if we're trying to forgive someone, trying being the operant word there, we might say, "Well, I f- I forgive you," but there may be parts of our consciousness that are fighting that. Like you mm-hmm. may feel something in your gut or your heart or something in your muscles that yeah. that resists what you just said. You could say, I forgive you. And it's maybe just dipping your toes in and seeing what the water feels like. Maybe yeah. you don't actually forgive them the first time you say, I forgive you. Maybe the 10th time you say, I forgive you, you might yeah. still not have forgiven them. Yeah, it's like stage one forgiveness. Yeah, but not stage two or stage three or stage four. Trying on the idea, yeah, you know? Yeah. But if you don't get to a level, I think this is, this is what I think is really important with forgiveness, is why would you do it? A lot of that has to do with your own mental health and your own ability to have um, successful relationship strategies with other human beings. Because if it didn't, if it's a one-off, well, then you have every reason to forgive anyway. But if it's something that's reflecting a deeper pattern, then hopefully the forgiveness doesn't set you up to have the same problem again. Mm-hmm. So if we're looking for the true forgiveness, the one we're going to talk about in this episode, it can't be the kind of forgiveness that sets you up to get hurt again yeah. in that particular way. It's got to have installed in it mm-hmm. um, a way of honoring why that offended you in the first place. Yeah. Why did you feel yeah. hurt by that? What was it about that? Yeah. So doing the real work is diving into those layers of why does that affect me so much? And what's, who am I being that, that um, causes me to interpret things that way or have the stream of thoughts that come along with that kind of beingness, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, you know... Um there might be things that when we were young, they bothered us and um, uh, maybe they required forgiveness at that time. But then maybe as an adult, we can laugh at how such things used to bother us. And there is never a need for forgiveness in those situations anymore, but maybe mm-hmm. there was when we were, ch- when we were children. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, that's what comes to mind when I hear you say that, 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 there's there's this thing called forgiveness. If we do it effectively and we do it skillfully, then as time goes by, we should reach a point or we can reach a point where such things don't bother us. So mm-hmm. there is no need for forgiveness, at mm-hmm. least on one person's part. Yeah. You know, and so uh, it's, it's a skill that needs to develop and grow and get better. Definitely. Um, I'll just share a personal um, anecdote. Um, as you know, um, you know, I grew up with a, uh, with a, a father who had impulse control and anger issues and, um, it, it made it difficult to feel safe at home, mm-hmm. even though I love, loved and still love my father. Uh, it was a scary situation and that affected me. There's definitely a lot of, um, things that I learned growing up that I wish I hadn't learned in yeah. some respects. Yeah. Um, but now accept that I had to learn them, um, and I'm becoming a more and more okay with that. Yeah. Uh, but just saying like this person who 
was someone I looked up to, someone I, I, I deeply loved, who was scary and who did a lot of things that were, you know, for lack of a better word, uh, just damaging. They were damaging uh, things. And when I grew up, when I, when I separated from him and I kind of went on with my life and uh, there was still that, that open loop. Mm-hmm. There was, I never really resolved it. I didn't know that I would need to. I just moved on, continued to learn and grow and work on myself. Didn't think I would really have to. And as I got older and dove more into um, personal growth uh, methodologies and spiritual stuff and psychedelics and all those kinds of things, it caused me, of course, to reflect on my youth and, and what I learned growing up and my upbringing, my family and all that stuff. And sooner or later, the idea came like, oh, what would it be like if I saw my dad again? Or um, how will I feel about that? Mm-hmm. And that eventually led to me seeing him. You know, we had a long period of a hiatus of not seeing each other. But yeah. when I first saw him, I remember, I think I was talking to my brother at the time. And I remember saying, I don't feel like I need to forgive him. For some reason. Yeah this feeling of needing to forgive or having a grudge about him and how he treated me and how he treated every, it was like, it was just not there. And I was searching deeply. I'm like, where is that? I don't feel the need to forgive him because I don't feel this presence of a wound anymore. It's almost like what I started to recognize was that I just accepted that he, you know, at the time he is the way he is. Now he's, he's passed on. He's no longer alive. He's, he's a, uh, he died uh, a year ago, but um, at that time, I felt like it just wasn't necessary to forgive because I, yeah. I, had, I had accepted. So I think that sometimes a big uh, step or a big landmark that we hit with mm-hmm. someone who affected us in a major way negatively mm-hmm. is the ability to accept what happened and accept uh, who you were being in that role as you were being hurt and to yeah. accept that other person as a person who uh, was suffering from an incredible ignorance, yeah. in his case, uh, mental illness, yeah. uh, you know, reality distortion, delusions, right? Mm-hmm. Narcissism, etc. cetera. But um, when I, by accepting that, it allowed me also to uh, filter out and make, make myself feel um, secure mm-hmm. that I didn't need to worry about becoming him. That part of my mm-hmm. strong rejection of him was uh, the pain and the fear of how he would behave toward me, but also the fear that if I didn't escape that, it would infect me and I would become like that. So the acceptance part was a major part in me dealing with the mirror of who he was as a contrasting experience in this world. He's a strong contrast. And it was mirroring back to me places inside of me that I was resisting, that I was afraid to see. And that was a portion of my fear. But when I looked a little deeper into it and processed a little further, it became clear to me that I'm not going to be him Mm -hmm. at all. I'm my own man. I've chosen my own path. And I don't even feel drawn to those same things. And so that acceptance was there. And it wasn't until I spent, because I had um, reconnected with him, I started spending more time with him, 
too much time with him. Okay. <laughs> um, in fact, uh, and and I started to become, you know, irritated, frustrated with him, annoyed, aggravated, and that's when it brought back this idea that oh, I still have some mm-hmm. healing to do here. I still have not completely. Um, uh, clarified inside of my own being what this relationship needs to be for me and where I need to be inside of my own um, poise, my own psyche when I'm dealing with him. Sounds like there were things in your experience that still needed to be dealt with, but maybe it wasn't forgiveness that was required. Well, or, or in some aspects of him, or uh, I, I think yeah. I had done some things that were absolutely um, beyond the scope of what just forgiveness was, but definitely forgiveness was a portion of okay. it because um, where I really where this really came to a head was um, at a time in my life that I was dealing with a lot of other life stressors, and I be, I was notified that he was dying, mm-hmm. and my first reaction to that was fuck off. I don't want to deal with this. Are you kidding me? I've got so much going on. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling awful. I don't want to go and deal with my dad who I haven't seen in a couple of years. And, you know, mm-hmm. oh, great. He's like, you know, good timing, dad, go ahead and die now. You know, I was like, yeah. I, was, I was annoyed yeah. that he was even dying in that moment. It's not his yeah. fault, mm-hmm. but it was like in that moment, that was the, just the instinctual feeling of like, fuck off. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. like, I just didn't want to deal with this. Yeah. It's the last thing I wanted to deal with because it was forcing me to confront my own indecision about my father. Mm, I see. Okay. And I had to really look into my own heart and ask myself, um, do you want this opportunity, this very rare opportunity to visit him before he dies, to go beyond your reach and just kind of have some kind of story in my head about how it's okay and he made his choice and I made mine or whatever it is I want to do. I'm beyond all that. I could do that, mm-hmm. but would that really be authentic to how I feel? Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, for, in my case, no. I had to be honest with myself. Um, I needed to deal with this. Could I have done it after he died in my own way? Sure. But mm. in this case, you do it when you're aware of it, right? You yeah, see something yeah, that's yeah. in front of you that needs to be handled, you just handle it. So right there... It was so clear to me, I have to go visit my dad. And I did. I went and visited him. And that is when I started to really uh, enjoy the benefit of what would come from a forgiveness, a deep forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And I did that by being really, really radically honest with him. I held his hand. I looked into his eyes as best I could. He was drifting, you know, in and out. Um, I would get his attention and uh, I found the words inside of me to speak authentically to him about how I actually felt, how I felt about him, who I've become, um, what I needed or didn't need from him from now on, um, what I appreciated about him and what I didn't appreciate about him. And I just told him like, like I had every right to say it because I felt like I did and I did. And I spoke those words and I was in tears. I was, you know, kind of speaking through my own tears, breathing, taking time to say it to him. And at the end of that, I was able to just really comfortably say, um, 
I see all this religious iconography around you, and I know that what you really want is to go be with the saints. You want to go with, be with Jesus and Mary and all that stuff and uh, the angels and stuff. So why don't you just go? There's nothing here for you. Not anything that you need here. I don't need you here. I need your love, and I've already got it. You've already given it. There's nothing else I need. So go. Let go of your body. You don't need to live anymore. Stop breathing. Fall asleep. Go into the light, whatever you want to call it. You know, call upon Jesus. Let it guide you. That's your belief system. Go be surrounded. Go be with the people that you want to be with. No one here needs you anymore. None of your daughters, none of your sons, none of your ex-wives, none of us. Mm. So, and I was so clear about that, not to be cruel, but to be just really honest, like Mm. give it up, man, stop hanging on to life. And he, he died the next day. Mm -hmm. Um, so I feel like he needed to hear that. Yeah. yeah. And, um, he did let go. And, and I, more importantly though, I let go. Like I felt Mm -hmm. so clean after that. And as a kind of a litmus test, Later on, like, you know, a few months down the road and beyond that, when I would go for hikes, I would practice uh, the systemic idea of reconnecting with parents. And, and, and I would just say my dad's name and I would think about him for a moment. And I would just check to see what somatically comes up for me when I think about him. And what would started to come up immediately was just a feeling of light mm. and warmth in my heart. So I went, Okay. This is a good sign. Mm-hmm. I'm not thinking trauma. I'm not thinking I wish things went differently. I'm not thinking I need to shame my dad for what he did. I'm not thinking uh, how dare he or any of that nonsense. I'm just feeling a connection, a form, a real rudimentary form of love, just a connection. Mm-hmm. That's something I can work with. And it has nothing to do with my physical father and everything to do with my internal representation of who my father is inside of me and what that could mean for me in my future. As I move forward, making decisions that I want to make, relating with the people I want to relate with, um, being a stepdad, you know, which is going to be happening sometime soon, all those kinds of things. How can I, how can I do that if I have unresolved Mm -hmm. feelings about someone who raised me? Yeah. So I kind of want to say this because um, I would implore anyone who's had a difficult relationship with their parents. Um, I would say to you first, you have every right to be upset. You have every right to feel that you were wronged and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But at some point when you want to be free, there's a continuum. And if you were to continue past that point, the next point is acceptance mm-hmm. and letting go of the need to shame them for their actions. Yeah. You cannot forgive if you want them to feel bad. If it's important to you right. that they feel badly and that yeah. they look at themselves as a piece of shit, mm-hmm. if that's important to you, you are you have not forgiven. Yeah. That's 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 a that's a key symptom. It is. You know, to know that th- th- that it's still there and it hasn't happened yet. Yeah, um yeah. that conversation we had with Petalin um about shame really prompted that piece, that little piece mm-hmm. about shame. Mm-hmm. It really kind of sparked in my mind from that conversation, and it stuck with me, and I've continued to work with it ever since mm-hmm. then. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other thing is, is um, we don't 
repair those relationships with the important people in our life, like our parents, so that we can satisfy some kind of religious ideology. Preferably, we would do those things so that we can feel empowered again, mm -hmm. so we can free ourselves of the fetters that have been preventing us from being our full self. And if we don't have that cleaned up, if we haven't done a little work on that, then it's hard to have the mother and father that exists inside of you shining as brightly as it could. Yeah. So sure, even if you sure. have to reinvent the wheel mm -hmm. and maybe you had a really, 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 really incredibly bad situation where you can't think of a single thing that your parents did that was positive. Because mm -hmm. my case, my, my father was pretty bad, but I do have lots of positive memories. We used to sing together. I remember playing squirt guns with him. There's a ton of things I can say that were also good. Yeah. Some yeah. people don't even have that. And it's right, real right. tricky. And in say, yeah. situations like that, um, they're dealing with a, you know, really even something even worse. In yeah. situations like that, if they can't find anything, then they may have to go back and reinvent it. Okay. In the sense of okay. um, if this person had an alternate timeline okay. in a parallel reality, they were exactly the same except in a parallel reality. And they didn't have the psychological damage that caused them to be the person that they are. Mm -hmm. And they had you as a child. Then how would they treat you? Yeah. Would they like then that. see you, yeah. feel you, hear you? Would they then uh, cultivate closeness with you? Would they then be affectionate with you? Would they then be supportive of you? And if that were the case and you were raised that way, what would you be feeling right now? Because that's your birthright. That's mm -hmm. what you're capable of connecting to when you do the work is what if. Yeah, yeah. And that can be a parallel timeline to the one where you see yourself living this impoverished, damaged, you know, life. And you can say, well, shit, I've got a parallel world where I've got the negative on one side, I've got a really beautiful possibility on the other. If I feed this parallel timeline where I've had something good happen, it's all the same except you're taking away the damage. You're just taking away the, the deviant moments that causes the deviations in the way people treat you. Because mm -hmm. remember, hurt people hurt people. That's an yeah. um, important saying. So. Right, right. If your parents treated you that way and were absolute psychopaths with you, why is that? Do you think it brings them joy? Probably not. Yeah, right. It's right. sickness. It's an intrusion upon their psyche that caused that, and they were unable to expel the foreign body from their psyche. Yeah. That metaphor that got inside their head and had babies, demon babies, <laughs> you know, and caused a massive infection in their psyche, making them... Uh, incapable of behaving like the wonderful person they could have been. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. And so if you can tap into the idea that that person is more than their alcoholism, is more than their um, sexual abuse, is more than, you know, et cetera, et cetera, then you say, well, who are they really? Underneath, they're a consciousness of some kind. Mm -hmm. Is that consciousness inherently evil? Not from my perspective. I've never seen pure evil. I've seen people who were 
stuck in ignorance mm -hmm. and stubbornly stuck in ignorance, mm -hmm. which was my pet peeve. Um, and I've seen people do uh, terrifying and selfish and brutal, violent things. Mm -hmm. But is that pure evil? I don't think so. Maybe in the sense that they have become vessels for these foreign bodies, call yeah. them metaphors, call them demons, whatever you want to call them, yeah. uh, bad ideas, but they're vessels for that. But are they deep down mm -hmm. in their soul, in their deep consciousness, evil? I don't think so. Yeah, yeah. I agree with you. I, I, I really do. I agree with you. And you know, I think there's something interesting, something about what you said, um, if somebody had, uh, you know, maybe a, a, a parent who really, they couldn't find anything good, right? And then you started talking about, imagine this parallel timeline. Mm -hmm. If a parent treats us poorly, we know they're treating us poorly. Mm -hmm. How do we know that it's poor? Right. Because we genetically, inherently as beings, already know what the right way is. Mm -hmm. How do we know that? Because mm -hmm. it's already inside of us. You know, we, we know yep. what what, what, what a, a loving parent f feels like. So, so if, if a loving, somebody might say, I don't know what it's like for, to, you know, to feel the love from a parent, mm -hmm. but you know that you didn't feel the love from the parent. Mm -hmm. You're upset about it. So what are you comparing that to? Yeah. Something that's in you that you already know. You must have an idea. It's, th it is there. It might yes. be hard to uncover. It might be hard to uncover. <laughs> yeah, it also there. might be, um, just a kernel. Yeah. And that's why I encourage people in the, in the, in the particularly, uh, troublesome cases of folks that I've worked with that have a hard time, and they say things like that, like, mm -hmm. I don't have a single memory mm -hmm. of any moment of kindness or, you know, mm -hmm. time I laughed with my dad or mom. And I don't, I don't disbelieve them. Uh, that could very well be true. Um, but I do ask them, you know, if I could, you know, with their permission, can, can I please challenge that a little bit, you know? Um, it could be that you've overlooked it. It could be that you've been so hurt and stuck in the story of your hurt that you're not actually seeing it. So what you've done is essentially you've deleted those few times that it did happen. Mm -hmm. And I always ask them, hey, you know, uh, forgive me for, um, for pushing on this a little bit, but I just want to make sure that you've, um, you know, turned over all the rocks and looked in all the corners to make sure that you've really mm -hmm. done that. And if not, we'll deal with it. You know, if you, if you really don't yeah. find anything, that's okay. And you know, sometimes they don't find it there. Then they, they, they call me up later. Or they text me later or tell me in the next session, you know, after I left, I, I know I said I didn't, but there actually was this one time. And then they tell me a story mm -hmm. and that's after we had already uncovered all the rocks and turned, looked yeah. in all the corners and yeah. lifted the rugs and there was nothing. Uh -huh. But because it started a seed of an idea, it, in their off time when they walked away from the problem, you know, exited the session and went about their business, yeah. it gave their brain a break and their brain worked on it yeah, yeah, unconsciously. And then it gave them an image like, oh my gosh, yeah. I remember this one time. So, so it happens a lot. Definitely. You know, sometimes, um, you know, I, I could see somebody having a session like that and you don't get anywhere with that exercise in that moment, mm -hmm. then they go to sleep and then their subconscious and their brain is working on it in their sleep because yeah. it's there. Yeah. And this is interesting. Um, we have a, a, a wonderful mutual friend who just finished a Vipassana meditation course. Yeah, that's right. And I read his Facebook post about it. And mm -hmm. there's something he was sharing in his experience that I remember. And I had forgotten about this until I read uh -huh. his, his report about how during the whole course, he started having, he started remembering things from childhood, yeah. you know, 
you know, interactions with people that he had, hadn't thought about in years and years and years. Mm-hmm. And I remember that same thing happening to me during, mm-hmm. during Vipassana. Mm-hmm. I, I, I started to remember people and situations and scenarios that I thought, if I wasn't doing this course, I probably never, ever, ever would have thought about that again for the rest of my life until I died and it was gone. Right. That's neat. <laughs> so there's a lot more there that, than you that has been stored. Yeah. yeah uh, we don't often know what we've seen mm-hmm. because um, what we've seen and what we retain from what we've seen or what we can easily recall are not the same thing. You know, so true. we're exposed yeah. to millions of bits of data per second, but mm-hmm. what the hell? I mean, do you remember all those individual, you know? Yeah. data bits. I don't. Yeah. We have filters that not. prevent that from happening. So Definitely. we don't get overwhelmed by it. Definitely. And, yeah. you know, um, I really like, um, this, this saying, I don't think it's a hundred percent true. It's like mm-hmm. dead on every single time, but I like this saying because it helps me to reflect. And it's, um, if I'm in pain, I'm in error. Again, it's not to blame the victim or any of that nonsense, you know, not to be taken that way, but to be taken as, have you considered that? Have you taken some time? If you're in pain, you could be an error, error in thought, error in behavior, mm-hmm. error, you know, something inside of you needs to be polished on that mirror. There's, there's, yeah. a, there's some reason why you're feeling that pain. Yeah. Yeah. So I just kind of wonder whenever I, when I, that pops into my mind, yeah. um, I'll, I'll reflect and say, you know, the things I'm complaining about, how am I participating in the creation of the scenarios that, mm-hmm. where that occurs? Because I'm a participant, for you, sure. You, what you said reminds me a little bit of um, that concept that Esther Hicks teaches, mm. that um, uh, about the idea of an emotional guidance system. Yeah, yeah. So that, that if I'm feeling um, some kind of misery, pain, anger you know, whatever it might be, mm-hmm. that there is another way to look at it, which is your deepest self that knows is trying to tell you, is trying to give you positive and negative reinforcement. Mm-hmm. And if I think about something and now I feel anger about it or sadness about it, that discomfort is me saying, stop thinking about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then if I think of something that's wonderful and joyous and fills me full of, of energy, that's the emotional guidance system saying, Good job. I'm mm-hmm. rewarding you for thinking about this thing that is good for you. Mm-hmm. Oh, and you're thinking about the thing that's painful for you again? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to, I hate to use the word punish, but I'm going to kind of punish you a little bit mm-hmm. for misusing your memory or going down that path. And that's not to say that we should not view those things. You know, there, there's something there too. But it's this indicating. is a, at least a neat, a neat thing to, 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 reinforce this idea if if you're in pain and you're in error mm-hmm. right? it's an indicator yeah, uh, yeah and we need to look at both ends of the polarity mm-hmm. if we don't then we're having a pretty incomplete yeah. Um, yeah point of view i mean and and that brings me to to um a practice a spiritual practice that i learned um originally from from a person who who did their huna training in hawaii okay. uh from um this, uh, what's his name? Trying to remember the, the, the teacher's uh, name. Uh, 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 Hugh Len. Hugh Len, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just can't remember the, the, how to pronounce his last name, but yeah, it's Hugh Len, Dr. Hugh Len. 
Um, of course, he wrote the book Zero Limits and all that stuff, mm-hmm. or No Limits. Is it Zero Limits or No Limits? I think it's Zero Limits. Yeah. Anyway, point is, um, there is a process that isn't his. It's just his version of it. But it's an ancient Hawaiian or Polynesian practice, and it's called Ho'oponopono. And Ho'oponopono means uh, uh, to be right with everything. That means the universe. So pono means good. Like, how you doing? Pono. You know, it's like a good. And ho'o is everything. So if you're ho'o, pono, pono, Mm -hmm. you're totally good. Yeah, it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. It's all good. Yeah, Yeah, it's pretty much what it is. And how you become totally good with everything, uh, according to this tradition, is that you have to... um, remove the things that are blocking your unlimited potential from, um, from flowing. And one of the major things that stops the unlimited potential from flowing, AKA, uh, blocking your light Mm -hmm. is this concept they have of the black bag that has these, um, black bags inside there's in your unconscious, there are these black bags of negative experiences. So the um, unihipili, which is that fun word, right, means like, yeah. like the deep unconscious mind that yeah. is capable of connecting and intuiting and, and, and um, reflecting and all this kind of stuff. Um, within that are these stored negative experiences. So when you were abused or when you were beaten, uh, insulted, uh, you know, any of these things, it creates, we, we store those experiences in, in, in this uh, unconscious mind, the unihipili, as these black bags of experience. And we hold on to them because we don't know what to do with them. In some ways, we feel like we identify with the pain, we identify with that experience, we have to hold on to it so we'll remember not to experience that again or whatever. And then you stop responding to the world in a free and improvisational, intuitive way because you're blocked. So you're now blocked by these black bags, which contain all the data, all the details, all your preconceptions, all the judgments that you've held around it. And until you release those black bags, you're not free to respond in, a mo- in the most natural way that you could. And this idea of being able to respond as in the natural way with your true nature is, is common in Taoism. And yeah. even to some degree, if you go into Buddhism deep, oh, that yeah. idea that this true nature inside, right. Sure. And same in the Hawaiian practice yeah. that okay. we have zero limits. We got to get back to that zero point. How do we do that? Uh-huh. So this practice of Ho'oponopono involves four major steps. Um, and before that first step, really the fifth step, the overarching step is taking responsibility for the direction of your life and what's been going on in yourself and your consciousness, your words, your actions, Mm. you know, and if you can take responsibility, then you have the power to do these four steps. First step is to say, um, please forgive me. So I'm sorry, but I prefer to say, please forgive me. Okay. 
The second step is to say, I forgive you. The third step is to say, thank you. And the fourth step is just to say, I love you. Yeah. When you say, please forgive me, you can absolutely say, please forgive me to someone who harmed you. What? Because there's something in the way you've interacted with that person that has caused this um, event to take place. And so what you're looking for is, even if you don't know what it is, if there's anything I may have done without my own awareness that may have contributed to making me a target, to being the convenient person for you to be the perpetrator upon, you know, to get into this um, drama of victim and perpetrator. If we take responsibility for one part of that, even we may not be consciously aware of how we did that. Or maybe it was just pure ignorance. We just didn't know what we were doing and we stumbled into that person who stabbed us or whatever. Um, however extreme the example be, there is an energetic component to please forgive me. There's also the element inside of you that could potentially feel upset that you made the mistake of believing that person, trusting that person, mm -hmm. being vulnerable to that person. So you're still going to need to say, please forgive me. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. there are underlying components to how you relate with that person that are invisible. And it's what allows them the possibility to hurt you. No one can hurt you if you're never vulnerable. Yeah. That isn't to say being vulnerable is bad or that it's your fault. No way. Nothing's your fault. It's everything's your responsibility. That kind of thing. Yeah. Nothing's your fault. Everything's your responsibility. If you're aware of it, if it comes into your view, if it's on your path, then in some way, shape, or form, you have to accept that there's a kind of a destiny or some kind of a, um, a link between you and that event or that thing or that person that causes you to be linked on a subatomic level, if you want to put it that way. Yeah, yeah. Like two particles in, entangled. Mm -hmm. Unless yeah. you deal with your part of the polarity and say, please forgive me, um, with a wholehearted... Uh, sincerity, you won't have dug deep enough to actually mm -hmm. receive the forgiveness or give the forgiveness. Yeah. You know, I'm getting this um, kind of interesting uh, image as you're describing this of um, anytime you watch a, a show about ancient times where there's kings and mm -hmm. queens and all that. What is somebody, somebody who's not the king, who needs to say something to the king? Maybe the king's a little out of line. Mm -hmm. and somebody needs to, you know, advise the king on something. How do they approach the king? Forgive me, your highness. Forgive me, your highness. May I suggest? Yes. You know, and, and the, it's, there's, the relationship is not equal. Yeah. The king has more power. Mm -hmm. It's not an equal relationship. Um, but we still need to be able to correct the king. <laughs> we do. We you know? do. And, yeah. and that's a great example. Mm. Um, because if you do that practice and you then want to say, I forgive you, 
you will have been already on the other end of that. Mm. So you're kind of entering into it after having asked for forgiveness. And some people will hear what I'm saying, and, and I have no doubt that uh, there will be some people who think, what the hell are you talking about? Why, why on earth would you want to do that? And that's an awful thing. And I could never ask for forgiveness of that son of a bitch or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah. If you're one of those people, I just wanted to say you're not alone. That's an understandable um, place to be in. Mm-hmm. It's a very understandable place to be in. I just ask that you um, remain open enough to continue the discussion and think about it. Think about where we're going with this because uh, there's more to it than just that. And if at the end of the day you do this practice and you become healed, are you going to complain that you're healed? Probably yeah. not. Yeah. So you could just sort of... Um, suspend your disbelief for a little bit and just say, well, he might be full of shit. He might be wrong about that. Yeah. But I could entertain it as a thought experiment. I could actually do the practice with uh, hopes that it could do something or awaken an understanding in me and and see what happens. And what you're asking somebody to, to, this is just the beginning of it. Mm -hmm. And, and what you're asking the person in the beginning of this process to do is consistent with what we talked about earlier, you know, that, um, all, you know, viewing power, seeing something powerful happen begins with the process of letting power go, Mm -hmm. you know, to discharge that energy does involve releasing the power that we have. Right. And what does that more than going to the one who wronged you Mm -hmm. and starting with forgive me, (laughs) <laughs> right. it, it begins the process of creating movement in a system that is stagnant. When a system is stagnant, movement needs to occur. Well, something's got to start the movement. Yeah. I could be the thing that starts the movement. You could be the thing that starts the movement. That's the key, is that you're getting movement. Mm-hmm. So the feeling of personal power can sometimes get confused with the kind of... Um, power over others feeling. So there are times when we, we become clever and we say something really big and we're loud and we, we feel really powerful and clever in that moment. Mm -hmm. But that's not really the kind of personal power I'm talking about. There's a kind of a power that comes from being really centered, poised and humble. And when you're like, you know, forgive me, your honor, forgive me, your majesty, Mm -hmm. um, that kind of thing where you're being stately Mm -hmm. and you're being, uh, very, very um, in control of yourself and you're doing things for the right reasons and you're utilizing your strategy, your intuition, your emotional intelligence and everything else. Uh, I've never felt so powerful as um, those moments when I was able to have insights and speak those insights in a humble way. Sure, yeah. With yeah. acknowledgement that that other person yeah. is wise. Uh, so... It can have a, a very interesting effect on you to begin the, proce- the practice of saying, please forgive me. And then asking yourself, what do I need to be forgiven for? Is there anything? And if there were something, what would it be? Mm-hmm. It can be tricky, especially if you're not used to doing this kind of work. It's a lot easier for those of us who are naturally more uh, introspective. Mm-hmm we tend to find fault in ourselves all the time. Some people 
it's kind of just really on the surface. Well, they wronged me. That's it. I didn't do anything to deserve that. Mm -hmm. And on a certain level of thinking, that's correct. Mm -hmm. But we're talking about deep forgiveness, which is to release trauma, to release stuff that's been stuck and is probably shaping the way you experience a lot of other things mm -hmm. in your life, not just that situation. It may be affecting your relationships. It might be affecting your physical health, pain. Yeah. Sickness, weakness, yeah. um, you know, the way that you engage in romantic relationships, mm -hmm. the way you engage with your family, yeah. it all is affected by that. So the practice itself um, can only really be proven through your practice. I can talk about it, mm -hmm. but until you've done it a few times and actually experimented with the practice and worked out the nuances for yourself, mm -hmm. adjusting it so it fits you. Um, diving into the, to the experience with more feeling, uh, wash, rinse, repeat. Yeah. And yeah. that's when someone gets a tangible sense of whether Ho'oponopono is valuable yeah, or not. Yeah. I've seen miracles and I've seen, um, uh, not things below miracles where it was just like really impressive results. Sure. Yeah. And you know, um, we started this, this episode off talking about, um, I mentioned cliches. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and you know, there's the old cliche, all forgiveness is self-forgiveness. Mm -hmm. This is what we're talking about. This Definitely. is a deeper, wiser way to take that, that phrase that has been thrown around mm -hmm. and put a practice to it. Mm -hmm. So when we start to say, um, well, how could I forgive him for what he did or what she did? Or, you know, we say, well... If all forgiveness is self-forgiveness, um, this is how you can actually do that. Mm -hmm. This is it. Yeah. You know? And you've, you've shared this with me before. I've, I've, I've done this. Mm -hmm. And um, there's something deeply peaceful and satisfying about it. Definitely. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when you get to the point where you are saying uh, thank you, the thank you doesn't have to be thank you for hurting me. I mean, yeah. the thank you can be, thank you for um, showing me elements of myself that I needed to address. Mm. You know, mm. thank you for showing me that I needed to be stronger. Thank you for um, uh, giving me something that would irritate my being so much that I would have to do some deep work on it. Thank you for um, being here in my psyche, doing this healing with me. Thank you for anything in the past that you enjoyed with that person. Thank you for being in my life. Thank you for being uh, a great teacher. Thank you. You know, you, you, there are other things you can thank that um, person mm -hmm. for. Um, now, I say person, but of course, you can do Ho'oponopono on inanimate objects. You can do ho'oponopono ho on circumstances. You yeah. can do ho'oponopono on uh, illnesses, like sure, uh, sure. what are they called? Uh, irretractable. Is that the word I'm looking for? Intractable. Intractable. intractable thank you. Yeah, 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 intractable diseases and things like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, you can do it on ignorance. Yeah, that that's a good one. You just yeah. treat mm -hmm. the element of ignorance that you are thinking about as a um, as a living thing, mm -hmm. because in the Hawaiian view, 
to my understanding, um, everything is animate. Objects are animate. Mm -hmm. Rocks are animate. And so therefore you treat them as living things. So if you have a, um, a certain kind of ignorance that's been a stumbling block, you can sit there and kind of just picture that in front of you and take responsibility for why it's in your life and say, please forgive me, ignorance. I'm sure that if you're like any other kind of energy in, in the universe, you want to keep transforming and moving along. And I've got you stuck in my consciousness. Why, you know, that, that's not fair. You're stuck. Mm -hmm. Please forgive me for um, having to go through this whole process right now because otherwise you'd already be free. I'm holding on to you. Please forgive me mm -hmm. for the ways I've blamed you for the problems in my life. Um, yeah. please forgive me for not getting it quick enough. Please forgive me. Mm -hmm. And I forgive you for all of the ways in which you've prevented me from shining. I forgive you for all the ways in which you've caused me pain and you've caused me to cause other people pain. Please, uh, I forgive you for um, being so difficult to master. Mm -hmm. You know, I forgive you for blocking my vision, my, my hearing, my feelings. I forgive you for getting in the way of my enlightenment. <laughs> and thank you for revealing yourself to me. Thank you for giving me a focus. Thank you for giving me a practice to do that would potentially help me to move forward. Uh, you know, thank you for not being all pervasive in every area of my life mm -hmm. and only being in the areas where you exist. <laughs> yeah. uh, thank you for moving on. And I love you. Why I love you? How can I love the person who hurts me? How can I love um, this thing that is vexing me? Well, because love is a state. It's, it's a state that is um, an active state and a passive state. Mm -hmm. It's a neurological experience. It's not one thing. It's many things. It's a verb, right? I can love on many different levels. I can love very broadly and very specifically. So why would I not be able to love the problem if I know that the problem itself needs love in order to release? If I know that by loving, I'm in a resourceful state rather than an unresourceful state, mm -hmm. and the problem always relates to being unresourceful, why would I not want to love that thing? Yeah. To truly heal it, to truly get at the roots of where that problem may have found its like, you know, dirty hooks, you know, and got its hooks in us, right? Do I not need to go through the layers of, of how it has affected me? The forgiveness part, the gratitude part, and finally the love part, because without the love part, there's nothing to connect us. Love is, is this um, intangible thing that many of us feel that when we surrender to it, it allows us to open up to the possibility that we're all connected. Like there's um, romantic love, which is very personal. But when you get into more expanded forms of love, like agape love or just you know the love of nature, uh, sense of awe and wonder for the universe, you start to to expand beyond the 
limitations of an individual. You start to feel as though the ego boundaries are dissolving. Mm -hmm. So you're in a bigger place. And isn't the problem itself the result of being in a smaller place? Yeah. So it makes sense that you would then take that next step and go to a bigger place. Because the whole idea is to bring resources to the problem that was lacking the resources. Yeah, yeah. So that's why this process is a valuable process and why it works pretty consistently is because it follows those patterns to take us into a place where we have something we can do with that thing that seemed immovable, yeah, unchangeable, yeah. stuck. Right. It's an option that wasn't previously seen. Yes. Know? Things occur to you that never would have occurred to you. Could you, um, just for the sake of anybody listening, mm -hmm. quickly go yeah. through the, the steps again? Absolutely. So we take responsibility for anything that is vexing us or troubling us or any person or, or um, situation, knowing that it is there to reveal itself so that we can do something about it. It is the data that we have about it, so the, all the ideas, beliefs, and so on, that we have about it that kind of locks it in place. You can think uh, quantum superpositions here, you know, like quantum physics. You've got an idea of something, as soon as you've got, you start looking for that particular thing, it sort of limits that, that thing so that it can't change. So that's the precondition. The practice itself is, please forgive me. I forgive you. Thank you. I love you. And you repeat that uh, as a mantra over and over again, uh, perhaps uh, slowly at first so that you can think of all the things that fit in each category. Mm -hmm. And then after a while, you just sort of kind of weave it like a mantra, just kind of keep saying, you know, please forgive me. I forgive you, thank you, I love you. Please forgive me, I forgive you, thank you, I love you. Please forgive me, I forgive you, thank you, I love you. After a while, your conscious mind will drift away from the problem itself, and you'll just be repeating the words and feeling into the words, and um, the rhythm of it will start to get you into um, a uh, cyclical um form of thought loop mm -hmm. okay i experience that on an energetic level because i'm using the energetic description i feel mm -hmm. hot i feel floaty mm -hmm. i feel uh as though a vibrational frequency is starting to vibrate within my aura now that's my experience yeah i'm not mm -hmm. saying everyone will experience it that way but that's how i experience it and then i start to feel like i'm getting a translucent image of myself in relation to the problem and those things beginning to merge kind of like crossing into one another mm -hmm. and that's a metaphor perhaps but that's how i experience it yeah sure the more i get into that and if you if you do this on a regular basis you start to realize that you can just keep repeating that phrase all day long and your unconscious knows what it you need it knows that you want to feel freer healthier mm -hmm. etc so just repeating that phrase over and over and over and over again all throughout the day even if you're not sure what you're saying it for mm -hmm. yeah as long as you've begun 
the momentum in the direction of knowing what you're doing it for. Yeah. There are there will be times when your mind slides away from knowing why it's doing it. But what I would say is it hasn't lost its value at that point if you've if you've already started a momentum going in that direction because your unconscious mind uh already it was already there when you did it. So it knows to kind of keep it going. Yeah. Yeah. Um which is why you can do it as you're drifting into sleep and and uh, when you wake up in the morning and all throughout the day. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I've seen, you know, some videos of Hugh Len yeah. doing this. And, and one of the things I've always loved watching him do it, uh, doing when he does it himself, is how unbelievably sincere he is when he does it. Yeah. You know, you know, please forgive me. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I forgive you. He's like he has all this emotion. You're, like, you're like you're rooting for him, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you're rooting for yourself when you see him do it. Yeah, and it brings up the idea that that and let's just be clear. Like this is a practice you could do uh, with anything external to you, mm-hmm. and this is a practice you do with yourself, mm-hmm. right? Like you described, maybe if somebody has an illness, you are saying this to yourself, your own body. Yep. You know, please forgive me, body. You know, and so this is also, this is, it's, it's a self-practice and it's a practice with others, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's both. And um, uh, with this concept of forgiveness, um, you know how, you know, it, speaking of cliches, you know, we say, you know, it's easy to forgive others, it's hard to forgive ourselves. Yeah. Right? Um, and there's the superficial level of that. Um, now, if... A person were to just quickly scan their life, looking for whatever pops up on your timeline for uh, something that might be an opportunity for forgiveness, right? If you scan starting from your childhood, just loosely in a forward direction to where you're at now, some things are probably going to pop up. Yeah. You know, and um, if you were to take one of those things and let's just for the sake of of this demonstration assume that um the topic of forgiveness is about another mm-hmm. right okay it can if you okay if you were to take a moment and imagine yourself going through a process of forgiveness with another and you just think just watch yourself do it i mean somebody could even close their eyes and, and just do this very superficially. Imagine you going through a process of, of, of offering forgiveness to another who has wronged you. Mm-hmm. Go through that process and notice how it feels inside. Then, if you were to think of a time when maybe you were the one who hurt somebody else, mm-hmm. take something that you actually genuinely feel a little bad about. You have a grudge against yourself mm-hmm. for something you did or something mm-hmm. maybe you failed to do, whatever, whatever it might be in life. And just take a moment and, and do the same process and imagine forgiving yourself. Compare the two feelings. Compare the feeling of forgiving another mm-hmm. and then compare that to the feeling you get when you're trying to forgive yourself over something you feel bad about. Mm-hmm. For me, uh, it feels different. It does feel different for me too. It feels real different and, and it's, um, it's a difference that um, really gives some truth to that saying. Mm-hmm. It's easier to forgive others than to forgive ourselves. Yeah. 
and th that's where I think um, a technique like this one that you shared mm -hmm. here in, in this episode, this is where it's really powerful. Yeah, definitely. Because because um, I, I, I'm even talking. I, I'm not even thinking of an incident. Mm -hmm. I'm just already talking about the topic of forgiving myself. And I'm already feeling very different. It feels much heavier. Mm -hmm. It feels much thicker. Mm -hmm. It's it can be hard for some of us to really forgive ourselves. It really can. Definitely. This is a loving way to do it. It's a loving way to do it, and I would encourage people to um, think a little outside the box with this. Um, already the topic is outside the box, but mm. go even further. Um, for example, I'm having trouble forgiving myself. Can I be forgiven for that? Mm, yeah. That kind of thing. Sure. Yeah. So if you're doing work on something and you feel like you've gotten one level of it, mm -hmm. look for another level. Look for another level because the miraculous things I've seen by doing this mm. wasn't by just going through the motions and doing it once. It was by going into those other levels. What feeds into that idea? So if I, let, let me just kind of give you a little bit of a cross section into my mind for a second. If I'm thinking right now, um, I would like to forgive myself or let's say, hmm, let me pick something. Okay. My knee. Okay. I want to do this practice of forgiveness to see if it'll help my knee to heal. Okay. So then I'll start off by taking responsibility and recognizing that I've got a lot of ideas about it. That's the data. Let's see if I can clear that data so that I can be free to have a spontaneous thing happen that could be beneficial. It's not my job to direct it too much because what we really want to do is just unlock our potential and then allow it to do what it needs to do. Mm -hmm. That's really what this practice is about. So let me just see if I can facilitate that. So I might be speaking to my, my knee and I say, please forgive me, knee. I hurt you. I was unmindful and I slipped on that morning um, on the deck and it twisted really bad. And I'm, I'm really genuinely sorry for that pain that I gave you. Then say, um, I go through that process and I forgive you for mm -hmm. preventing me from working out and going on runs and I yeah. forgive you for the, um, the fear that you gave me that I would never be able to run again. I forgive you for, um, you know, being a, a difficulty so I couldn't have the fun that I wanted to have. I forgive you for, um, contributing to my bad mood, um, et cetera. Yeah. And then I say, all right, thank you. Thank you for everything you're doing to heal. I know it's not easy. Thank you uh, for making me aware of you and helping me to build faith in myself and my practice, etc. And I love you because you need love. And without love, you don't heal. And I love you because you're my knee. And I love you because uh, you're bringing my awareness to you. And I, and I love you because you've supported me all this time before that. And I love you because, you know, and I go on that path. Yeah. So that's one path of that. Yeah, yeah. It's not done. 
because then I have to ask myself, is there, were there any errors in my thinking that made that possible? How is it possible that in, at a time in my life when I was in some of the best shape of my life, I was doing really, really good, that I just slipped and twisted it just like that, an accident, quote unquote. But was there a precondition that created that? I have to say there probably was. There had to be. My stress levels through the roof, um, uh, me thinking I can just keep going with that stress level and not ever stop and still myself and become really mindful. It was after the first rains, you know, that deck was slippery. I was wearing shoes that didn't have good grip. I didn't know that. I was just kind of in a hurry. Yeah. But what was that about? Why was I in a hurry? Because I didn't prepare. Yeah. You know, so, so what was involved in allowing me to be distracted from being prepared? Um, I'm not blaming myself, mind you. I want to be clear. Yeah. yeah. I'm looking for possible contributors to the problem. Yeah, the, and the, I'm going to do ho'oponopono on the contributors that I discover in my, in my um, introspection. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to do the whole process again as if I'm talking directly to that part of my ignorance, that part that allowed that. Mm-hmm. And I'll keep doing that. I'll do ho'oponopono on uh, why I've been frustrated and not found um, the right kind of healing method. Or if I'm about to see someone who's a healer, maybe I do ho'oponopono on the idea that this person can tr- truly help me and getting rid of anything that might be blocking that. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't have to end with just the linear first level kind yeah. of approach. You can dig down and try to ask yourself, why is that even, mm-hmm. um, what, what allows for that to be? And then, and then through this process of exploration, you start to see, wow, there are a lot of ways that I was responsible or could have been responsible. Yeah. Or, you know, and you begin to, you begin to see more of the picture, more yep. of the, more of the story. You notice the preconditions and have something you can do about it. Absolutely. Yeah. If you're having conflict with another human being, uh, who matters to you, uh, you can do just the whole ponopono on that particular interaction, and things will probably get better. Mm-hmm. Things will heal. You'll feel more resilient and more capable of having a discussion with them and, and being more relaxed in that discussion and potentially putting out the signals that causes them to feel more relaxed and so on. Mm-hmm. But you could also go deeper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You could ask yeah. yourself, is you know this little perceived slight that happened between us, the argument, were there, does this match any other pattern that's going on in my life? Could I do ho'oponopono on that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was the conditions under which I felt irritable, short, tired? What was it? Do I need to do ho'oponopono also on that? Or um, is there a feeling of um, lackluster about you and that other person that has... Mm-hmm started to develop you need to do ho'oponopono on whatever it is that's covering that shine so it doesn't seem lackluster mm-hmm. and begins to feel shiny again mm-hmm. that may not be directly related to the conflict that you had but it might be indirectly related so ho'oponopono is a deep dive if you do it with uh, 
if you if you use Ho'oponopono to its fullest capacity, mm-hmm. you do it to go deep, not to have just a shallow one level linear right. interaction. Right, right. It's done as a full on spiritual practice. It's a mm-hmm. deep practice, so yeah. it's meant I to can, be done. I can see it that becoming way. an all the time thing. Yeah, and all the all the time overall attitude. Hugh Len says, yeah. "I'm just here to clean." It's all I do. It's clean. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. It's my you, job. You just clean. said that, and I was just thinking of the analogy of cleaning your house. You can tidy up. Yeah. You can shampoo the carpets. Mm-hmm. You can power wash the exterior. I mean, you can go all in. Yeah. <laughs> so it just never stops. Yes, and and um, especially for stubborn problems that aren't going away, it's worthwhile. Mm-hmm. If nothing else, than to put you in a place where you're at more peace with it. And, and don't we all want to feel more at peace with things, you know? Yeah, I do. I do. Sign yeah. me up. Yeah. Um, so I feel that it's, a, it, it's valuable for that. Uh, there's a technique that Hugh Lin teaches as well that I think is pretty helpful. Um, it's, it's adjacent to this. It kind of um, helps with this. Mm. And it involves a kind of a hypnotic deep relaxation and uh, a kind of a calling out of your inner child essence. Mm. So you kind of think of yourself as a five or six year old, you know, you go into that trance and you kind of envision yourself and you just feel that sweetness as you would if a small five year old came up to you and started talking to you, that same kind Mm. of cuteness that you feel, right? And you try to look at that version of you as cute and sweet and um, you approach it with permission. You ask for permission, may I approach you? Um, you know, you make eye contact if possible and, and, uh, you know, would it be okay if I held your hand or may I sit next to you and you, and you, and, and I want to talk to you mm-hmm. and assuming there's an okay with that, you sit and have a conversation with your, your inner child and you, you begin, uh, by doing the Ho'oponopono process with them mm-hmm. by saying, please forgive me for not being there for you all the time, for suppressing you, for not acknowledging your brilliance, for being embarrassed and shame, ashamed of you sometimes, uh, for not protecting you when you needed it, and anything else. And boy, people start doing this, they cry oh, yeah. a lot when I'll they bet. do this. Um, and then um, you, you forgive them for um, not having the answers, not knowing what to do sometimes, uh, interrupting you when you need to get shit done, um, you know, etc. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then it ends with love, right? Because gratefulness and love. Mm-hmm. And then when you feel, if you wait until you get the signal that the image you're looking at of you has truly forgiven you. Okay. So you kind of wait for some kind of an internal signal that, okay, I feel forgiven right now. You move on to the next step. Mm-hmm. Okay. First, you're asking for forgiveness. You wait for them to say, kind of like um, acknowledge that you have been forgiven. Then you forgive them and you wait for that feeling inside of, okay, I really, truly have forgiven them. And then you move on to each stage like that. You wait for an internal signal. Once you get there, you ask if you can embrace them. Can I, may I hug you? And you do that. You hold them and you just hold them against your heart and you do your best to really feel that feeling of um, heart connection. And you promise, you make a promise. You say, um, I promise you, I give you my word that I will never abandon you, that I'll always be by your side 
that I'll always protect you. I'll always listen to you. And that you will be able to be um, a participant in my life, an active participant in my decisions and in, in my life, my joys that I celebrate with you. And I would just like to have a deep relationship with you, a deep connection with you. And would you please uh, help me by repeating the mantra? Even when I'm mentally distracted and busy with other things, would you please continue this all day, all night, mm. in every area that I need it, so that our lives can become better, more abundant, healthier? Mm. Can we work together, please? And that's what you do. And then, you know, of course, you come out of that visualization or whatever. And it's like you've built a, uh, a metaphor bridge, you know, to the idea that you're kind of accepting a deep level of programming inside of you mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. says, I'm going to be doing Ho'oponopono even if I'm not consciously aware of it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love it. It's, um, it's, a, it's a beautiful, elegant strategy mm -hmm. to... Um, deal with energies that are very, very powerful and potentially destructive yeah. and also um, powerful and potentially incredibly healing. And to enlist you know? more of you in the process. Yeah. Because we all know you can half-heartedly say things and that's not enlisting all of you. Mm -hmm. And yeah. then you can really get sincere about it and that's getting more of you. Yeah. But imagine getting your unconscious mind represented to you as a little boy or a little girl mm -hmm. um, who's decided to take it on as a practice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And repeat it over and over and over again. It's a little more powerful than, um, all right, yeah, I, I, I forgive you. Yeah. A lot more powerful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gosh. Well, um, I think we did a good deep dive. I think we did. Yeah. I think we've... I think we've uh, uh, uncovered some some good powerful stuff so all right yeah. all right i forgive you satch i had a feeling you were gonna say that <laughs> yeah. will you forgive me i forgive Please. you and you know carlos thank you thank you satch yeah. and i love you i love you man You've been listening to The Authenticity Show with your hosts, Carlos Casados and Satch Purcell. My name is Oliver Alti and I produce the show. I also wrote our theme song, which you're listening to right now. And I would like to thank you for listening and I hope you have an authentic day. <laughs>